Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mammoth. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and oh my goodness, welcome to 2023. We are outside, as it were. I am so excited about so many of the things that are coming to Living Corporate in 2023. I'm excited about our guests. I'm excited about our partnerships. I'm excited about some new features on our website and our job board. I'm excited about just some of our new brand partnerships and things that we're just going to be launching and announcing as the year goes on. Um, I'm thankful to each and every one of you who listen to Living Corporate, who continue to help us grow. Last year, we reached a milestone of over 1 million downloads. And that doesn't happen without a few things. One, it doesn't happen without an incredibly consistent team and a hardworking group of people, right? So I want to shout out to the Living Corporate team. I want to shout out to um, longstanding contributors to the Living Corporate podcast flagship show um, that really, again, we wouldn't have it without them. And then I want to, of course, thank y'all, right? It's because of y'all who continue to show up and listen every single week uh, to Living Corporate. And then, of course, to the additional extended network of shows across our across our network that we're able to grow and going to continue to grow well beyond 1 million downloads. But I just want y'all to know that, like, I do track the numbers. I see what's going on. I want to thank y'all. You know, as we think about this year, we're going to continue to be bold. We're going to continue to unabashedly unapologetically center the voice of employees there's plenty of brands out there that focus on the voice of the corporate executive and those brands have value like i want to be very clear it's just that living corporate we're never going to prioritize the corporate voice we're just not like there's plenty of institutions and mechanisms out there that do just that there aren't as many institutions out there that really center and amplify historically oppressed voices and that's just where we're going to be. That's that's we're not deviating from that in any way. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to feature brands. But even if you notice we feature brands, we're talking about those employee experiences and we're not trying to really pull any punches about it. You're also going to hear as we continue to record content this year, Liberal corporate, you're going to hear my daughters. You're going to hear Amon, who's my youngest. And you're going to hear Emery, who is about to be three years old. Y'all. She turns three this year. And so, you know. I'm excited. You're going to hear probably more and more evidence of growth, not just to live in corporate. That's right. That's right, Amon. 
you're going to hear evidence of growth, not just living corporate, but of like just my life. And, and I plan on doing more vignettes, honestly, of just like my own personal perspective, where I'm at with certain things, more just kind of like probably like deconstructed shows where then I'm, there's not always going to be a guest. I want to shout out to Shanisha, um, AKA Dr. White. I want to shout out to Amy C. Wanaker. I want to shout out to Tristan. I want to shout out to Neil Brittany. I want to shout out to the, the break room. Um, who's on a bit of a break themselves, the access point. I want to shout out to our entire network of, of creators, not just on the flagship, but again, on our extended podcast. And I want to shout out Vonda page on the group chat. I'm just really appreciative. Aaron, our writing team, I want to shout out to Madison and all the folks who just got who show love for us. I want to shout out to Textio and Doximity, Pfizer. What's up? I want to shout out to Cam. There's just a lot going on. You're going to hear a lot of gratitude this year. And if it's not about love and growth, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably not going to really be really too much on it, right? Like 2023, there's just too much to be thankful for. There's too much to be grateful for. There's too much to be excited for. This next episode you're going to be hearing is a conversation with myself. And the, that's right, the Dr. Janice Gassum. We talk about her joint journey in the DEI space. We talk about her work at, in the higher ed space. We talk about her personal uh, DEI consulting firm, as well as her newsletter. Make sure you click the link in the show notes to learn more about Dr. Gassum and her incredible work on and off of Forbes. And um, yeah, listen, we will, um, we're going to get to this interview. You're going to hear a couple of things, a couple of other announcements from us. And then I'll see you in a minute. All right. Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay, so first off, you didn't know, Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stones offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, living corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. Janice Gassum, how you doing? I'm good, Zach. How are you? You know what? I'm doing pretty well. You know, you and I were just talking off mic about just family, things changing, mm-hmm. expanding, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the last time we spoke... You know, first of all, you first of all, you're a friend of the show. Like you've been on for a while. Um, I think it's I think it's it's a good time to like talk a little bit about and pause and, re- and observe this moment that we're in, where you know we're two years post the murder of George Floyd and organizations discovering all this money for diversity, equity, inclusion, hiring a bunch of folks bringing in consulting firms, bringing in speakers to now is looking down. Um, we're in a working recession right now, but looking at, you know, in, in, increased 
economic anxieties and we're looking at organizations slash their budgets left and right. What are you seeing right now as it pertains to DEI and organizational investment in DEI? Uh, and, um, and shoot, I, we're going to talk a little bit about your pivot from academia, but I guess before we like, before we do that, like, I really want to just get your perspective on the DEI landscape right now with all of the economic anxieties happening for organizations. Yeah, I think that's a great question because the last time we spoke, it was much different. Companies were doling out a lot of money and pouring it into DEI, but we're in a a period of transition right now where we are, I think, technically in a recession in this moment. And a lot of companies are laying people off, right? We're seeing mass layoffs. Um, I know that a lot of tech companies have been laying people off. And so DEI goes to the bottom of the the to-do list or the importance, uh, uh, the list of priorities, right? And so I am seeing a lot, a lot of companies coming back and saying, you know, we just don't have the budget for this, right? Whereas there was more willingness to invest in diversity education and in anti-racism sort of uh, education and and consulting, there has, I have seen this sort of um, change and shift that has happened where it's like, okay, we've talked about black people for the last two years. We're kind of getting tired now and we're getting fatigued. So can we get back to what we were talking about before? So I have seen that, but I think it's important to keep our foots on the proverbial necks of organizations and institutions because we can't let up and let things go back to the way that they were before. You know, it's it's interesting, like to that point, because I, I do I do sense that. I also sense there there's this pressure to really get off of like black identity and um, and really kind of broaden it up a bit, right? So less on, hey, black experience at work or even black women and getting more to like the gender, the generalized women of color or even just women. Um, I'm seeing less conversations around even holding brands accountable to those pledges that they made a couple years ago, right? Like when you say, you know, keeping pressure up on leadership organizations what does that look like from your like from your perspective because the reason i ask is because it feels like there's only so much that black and brown diversity and inclusion leaders can do because they ultimately aren't in in control so like what tactics have you seen work or be effective i think that's a great question um I am all for social media callouts. You know, I know that there are two schools of thought. A lot of people aren't fans of quote unquote cancel culture. Um, I do think when it comes to like celebrities and individuals, canceling people and, and I'm, you know, I know right now this moment we're in, there's a celebrity in particular I'm thinking about that's been wiling out. And, you know, the the question is, should we cancel him or should we not? But I think with celebrities, it's different than brands. I do think cancel culture, calling companies out online, I do think impacts them and makes them more accountable because nobody wants to lose money, right? And think about the moment that we're in right now where 
you're already laying people off, right? I just saw that Nike is um, discounting their their products, right? Because uh, they have an over, I think they have more inventory than they thought they would. So they're discounting products. And, you know, I think inevitably what this means is that there will be layoffs, right? right? Because if you have to discount products, you want more people to go out and buy your things. And so I think that like, it's really important that we are keeping companies accountable and so many companies like the Nikes and, and the Snapchats and all these organizations are, are losing profits, right? Just because of COVID and what's happening in the world. And so they can't stand to, and they're not in a position right now, especially where bad press and publicity would be a good thing for them, right? I think like with Starbucks, for example, in 2018, when you know they were in the midst of that situation where the manager in Philadelphia called the police on those two black men and Starbucks went viral, they shut down stores, they did the unconscious bias trainings. Starbucks did bounce back, right? I think that their profits were low for following that incident in 2018, but they bounced back four years later. Right. But we weren't in a period of recession then, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, like we're in a very vulnerable and companies are in a very precarious position. And so I think that it's so important right now that we use technology and social media to hold companies accountable. People are going onto Glassdoor. People are, I saw at the top of this year, LinkedIn saw like such a vast number of users, right? More than ever before, because people are on LinkedIn, looking for jobs, posting jobs, searching for jobs. So more people are using platforms like LinkedIn. And I think that calling companies out who are not holding true to these values and the black squares that they posted is, I think the power is in the hands of the people now more than ever. So I think social media is such a powerful tool for that. Um, and I think that what we saw a few years ago with the Facebook employees, I think it was Facebook, where there were like black and brown employees who anonymously posted on LinkedIn or had, or excuse me, on Medium. They had this anonymous Medium document where they were sharing their experiences, right? There's power in that where even you can speak in an anonymity now with, with reporters and with journalists and talk about your experiences. And so I think that the power of social media and technology, we have to really lean into when it comes to holding companies accountable. This podcast, Living Corporate, it's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate, we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website. ZacharyNunn.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media 
can put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more about Squarespace, check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You know, there's, there's so much, there's so much there because I think about like, and I've said this before, it's like, there's just a limit to what internal DEI can accomplish without externalized pressures, right? The whole reason that we saw that investment uh, in the, after the murder of George Floyd was because of all of the Black Lives Matter protests. Like a bunch of folks got whole new careers because of people protesting around the world. It was a globe, global phenomenon. Um, I, I think I'm curious about like, even something else you said about cancel culture is like, I don't know if there's anyone that we've really seen be canceled, Dr. Gasson. Like, like who's like, you got Louis CK who wasn't canceled. He's still making money. He's on the road. Um, you know, you got people talking about Will Smith's going to cancel. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Will Smith has a movie coming out, um, you know, later, like this quarter, like, you know, so I think the word to your point is really just accountability. Like, Hey, you did something that wasn't right. And we're going to talk about it in the public square. We're not like, no one's really had much taken away. And then also, I think also like if someone takes something away from you for something that you've done, that's not you being canceled. That's you being held accountable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, I, to your point, I think it's hard to cancel people. I think it's very easy to cancel companies. And I think that's Abercrombie a, and Fitch that's is, a good point. is a great example where they repeatedly, right? I don't know if you watched the documentary on Netflix. If not, you need to watch it. It's really, really good, right? Okay. Super fascinating. Um, that looks at how Abercrombie treated their employees over the years. And though they were like, I'm a millennial and I remember like, all of the kids at school, all of the white kids at my school anyway, had Abercrombie. It was like the thing to wear. And I, I don't know, I, I never wore it, but I just was like, oh, it's so cool, right? Yeah. They saw so much success. And through that success, there was a lack of accountability and there was a lack of focus on equity and inclusion, right? They repeatedly found themselves in situations where the CEO himself said, I don't make my clothes for fat people, right? I make my clothes for the all American, which is just like a dog whistle or a code word for like white, slim white, like people, right? Right. And so they were sued for religious discrimination because they refused to hire a woman because she had a hijab. So they they have so many issues over the decades. And I think at the point that there are that they are at right now. I think Abercrombie is just not seeing success. I think they've been permanently canceled. I don't think anyone really wears their clothes, even though they are. I saw them in the mall the other day, and I was like, I didn't even know this was still around. I did not know Abercrombie was still around. (laughs) I think Victoria's Secret is also a good example. They've found themselves in a lot of hot water where there was cultural appropriation happening at their fashion shows. 
the uh, executives at Victoria's Secret said that they don't make their lingerie for trans people, for fat people. So they've said a lot of derogatory things. So I think it's 100% possible to cancel a company. Mm. But I think that it's, I don't want to say it's impossible, but I agree with you that I don't think any person is truly ever canceled. But I think that companies that repeatedly behave badly, because we're in an era where especially here in the US, people are so smart. And it's like, if you don't want to shop at Starbucks because the they did something derogatory, there's a million other uh, coffee companies, right? In the New York City area, Dunkin' Donuts is actually, there's more Dunkin' Donuts locations than Starbucks. So like, we have so many options, right? Yeah. And so like, if you're not in a industry where your company has a monopoly, right? Like, I think a company like Apple, would be very difficult for people to boycott, right? I've talked about this with my students before, where I'm like, unless you're like an Apple, right? Or you're like an internet company in a particular area where you have a monopoly, like there's competition everywhere, right? Yeah. Whatever you make or you create, somebody can duplicate and may do it better, right? 100%. So I think that companies are not in a position where they can afford to, like literally and figuratively, they cannot afford to like, not prioritize equity, right? So I actually, that makes me happy to think about the fact that people will not support organizations and institutions that that don't treat people well. Yeah, I love that. And I will say, I think that I, I agree with that too, is that I def, we definitely see brands go the way of uh, the dinosaur when they mess up real real bad. So that's, that's super true, right? Like, and I think social media, uh, like to your point, it also like it can accelerate accountability in that way. And it's also, I think, easier to like bash or like to like come down on a brand because it's a brand. So it's not, you know, it's, we know it's not a human being. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not it's just not it's, it's easier, I think, for people emotionally to detach themselves as opposed to, uh, Again, like a comedian or an actor or a musician or something mm-hmm. like that nature. Okay, so now, Dr. Gassum, again, last time you were on, we were talking about, you know, some of the work that you've done um, and really like the, the spaces you inhabit as a as a contributing writer for Forbes, as a professor in academia. We've talked about like academia um, and, and existing in the ivory as a black woman. Since we last spoke, though, You've been making some pivots and some career changes. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like what what led yeah. to the the decision to to leave to leave academia and really like pursue uh, your own shop and, and set up your own shingle. What 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 was the the draw for that? Yeah, uh, I'll be you know I'm always honest with you, Zach, but I'll be like super duper transparent. <laughs> I mean, I feel like academia, like any other industry, is really like holding on to their white supremacist cultural norms and values, right? Mm. And I think that people have this idea that academia is super progressive, right? Because it's like, ooh, we teach kids about and we teach people about all of these super interesting and quote unquote radical topics. But there is, as a black professor specifically in academia, I think that academia is a violent and unsafe place for us, right? As the only black woman in my department, I felt like 
I just, it was not an environment that allowed me to grow and to thrive. Um, there was an incident that happened in 2020 where some students complained about me and they said they weren't learning in my course. And, um, you know, I spoke to the program director about it. He's super nice guy, white male. And I explained to him, you know, the way that I teach, right, um, is basically like something called the Socratic method where I assign students reading and I pose questions in class about the reading and we, we talk about these questions for further analysis. And he said to me, Zach, wow, that's like the exact same way I teach, right? I wonder why they have a problem with you. Come on. And when he said that, I was like, wow, like you really don't know the, the difference, right? I look younger than I am. So I'm in the classroom. These students already don't see me as a professor because I'm not an old white man, right? right? I look younger than I am. I look like I'm in my 20s. I'm a black woman, right? right. And so it's like, you you don't know why they see me differently, right? And so when they took, so if, what happened was right before COVID, they took a class away from me and their excuse was like, oh, students feel like they're not learning. I, I was a full-time faculty member at this university and the word, I'll never forget this, the words that, that this person used to d tell me what the student said, she was like, you know, I asked them, have they spoken to you about the way that they feel? And they said that they were scared. Wow. Right. They were scared to talk to me. And anyone that knows me knows, I think one of my character traits is I'm very, I think the word is affable. I think I'm very um, extroverted. People, I leave my office door open. I'm very talkative and chatty. And I think that I try to cultivate a space where people feel safe. People are able to talk to me. I had a student who was like in my office for a few hours crying, telling me about um, her experiences with her mother-in-law, right? I don't think that I'm um, a standoffish or introverted person. Yeah. And so that was really shocking to hear that these students felt like they were too scared to talk to me, right? And so I think that all of that is coded language for you're a black woman and they don't feel safe with you, right? right. And so there were other incidents that happened since that you know, incident. And I just was starting to feel like after the murder of George Floyd, um, you know, I, I reached out to one of my black students who's also a cop. And I said, how are you feeling? And he's like, you know, Professor, you're the first person that asked me at this university how I'm feeling, right? And he was mm. the only black guy in his program. And that really, like, I, I just was like, wow. So black students don't feel like this is safe for them. Me as a black professor, I don't feel like this is a safe space for me. And I gave it some time. And I was like, maybe things will change. I tried to help them change. I spoke with the consultant that they hired to tell them exactly what I think they should do. And they didn't do any of that, right? And they raised, I found out I was being underpaid. I inquired about, uh, inquired about it with HR. They were paying me, right, $85,000. They were supposed to be paying me based on my salary range. Yeah. I was supposed to be starting at $112,000. Wow. So they were underpaying me almost $30,000. And when I asked them why, they didn't have an answer. They just said, we want to get everybody into their salary range by 2023. So I said, you know what? 
I'm going to see. This was November when I found out I was being underpaid. November of 2021. Yeah. I said, I'm going to see how I feel by June. And if I still feel the same way, I'm submitting my resignation. So essentially, it was just not a safe environment, not an inclusive environment. And I feel like I don't know what's really going to change academia because I see what happened with um, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. Yes. And I see what ha- what has happened with uh, Cornell West. And it's like these are famous and notable people, Pulitzer Prize winning writers that are experiencing this. I'm just a... A, a black woman, you know, I'm just a black yeah. woman teaching it, you know, so I, I just, I felt like it wasn't an environment that would allow me to grow. So I said, I'm going to just quit and focus on my consulting business. And I'm so happy that I made that decision. Let's talk a little bit about like the conversation um, in your exit. Like if you, if you're, if you're open to sharing, like what did that, what did that part look like as it pertains to like sharing the decision? Hey, I'm leaving. Um, you know, I'm not coming back. Like, was it, were they surprised? Did you like talk to me more about like the, how you navigated that discussion? If there was a discussion at all. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great question. And I'm such a firm believer, Zach, in transparency, because I I do think that there's a lot of secrecy around things. I think I'm always transparent about salary and pay because a lot of us are being underpaid. Probably most of us are being underpaid yeah. in our jobs. And I think part of it is we have to be more comfortable sharing yeah. things like that. So I'm, I'm always open with that. I knew that in um, last year, like after George Floyd, I wanted to quit, right? Because I was like, I can't, I'm splitting my focus. I'm teaching full time. So I'm teaching a seven course load. I'm working 10 months out of the year teaching seven classes and sometimes I was asked to teach extra classes and I'm doing four I'm doing three to four workshops every single week for corporations mm-hmm. I'm working with uh, companies to consult and it was it was just a lot for me to handle and I knew that after George Floyd I was like I want to focus on my business but my partner was like you know you should tough it out and just see, don't make any rash decisions. And my insurance was amazing, right? I had amazing, educators have really good health insurance and I had really amazing insurance. And that was what I was worried about, right? I was just like, I don't, you know, thank God I don't have any like um, major sort of health concerns, but I I was worried about insurance. That's why I stayed. And, you know, I stayed and stayed and I told my partner in November of last year, I was like, I'm. If I still feel this way, I'm leaving in 2022 because I can't keep doing this. And you know, so I I had a conversation with um, my manager, and she emailed me to join the DEI committee at the university. She didn't know that I was already on the committee since 2019. And I decided not to continue being on the committee because I made suggestions and no one listened to my suggestions. I was being ignored. So I was like, oh, this committee is very performative. I don't want to join it. So she said, hey, Janice, I told so-and-so that you would be part of the DEI committee. I just wanted to let you know. And I was like, so you volunteered me without asking me Mm. and she's like oh i know that dei is your thing i don't get why it's a problem and i said well i was already on the committee for the last two and a half years and it's a useless committee no one's listening and she asked for clarification 
And she said, well, what happened? Why do you feel this way? I told her. And she said, can you speak to another? She wanted me to speak to her manager about that. Spoke with her manager and her manager said, can you speak with an external consultant that we hired? Right? No, No, I swear. They were like, can you speak with, mind you, I'm just telling all the tea and all their business because I think this is important for context, but they hired a white led external consultancy and that was issue number one, right? Right. But the consultant I spoke with, I was so happy when I saw that it was a black woman. I told her, I don't want to join this committee. These are the 10, 50, 11 things that this university has done to make me feel like I'm not included. And I hope you can take this feedback and bring it to them and use it to help better the the university. So she told me to come back and give this feedback again at the university while they were doing a feedback day. All of this and is all like, of this I'm is not, work. All of this is work that you're not getting paid for. All of this is additional work on top of the eight or nine classes I teach in a school year. I'm being asked to do additional work that I do for a living for free, right? So I was like, okay, I'm fine with helping, doing this, doing that. And then um, one day I was in my office and my manager had asked to speak with me. She's like, can we schedule a chat? I said, sure. So imagine my surprise one day she comes to my office and she's like, hey, I was just going to my office and I see that you're here. Can we chat now? And I was already annoyed because I feel like we should allot time to have a conversation if you're worried about how I feel and whether this environment is inclusive All that, to me. Yes. She had her she had her phone in her hand and was carrying some books and was like scrolling on her phone and she asked me to explain and she said, I noticed you've been disengaged. And I said, Yeah, I've been disengaged because two years ago, two and a half years ago, y'all took a class away from me. And Zach, her exact words were um, oh, I thought like I thought you were over that. Like over she that? Was genuinely, she was genuinely shocked that that happened in March of 2020. Like, why are you still? I, I didn't know that that was an issue. And I said, of course, that's an issue. You took a class away from me because of the word of four or five students. You had no conversation with me about that and you took the student's word over mine. So how do you think that that made me feel? So she was like, she felt so bad. She was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you felt this way. So I I thought that maybe she would have an inkling. This was in April of this year. I thought she would have an inkling, like I'm getting ready to leave, right? At that point, I had already written my resignation letter. And so she spoke with someone else and he randomly invited me to lunch. This is someone in, in the university that's never really we've never had like full conversations. He's like, let's grab lunch. I thought it was weird, but I figured she told him. So he was asking all these invasive questions, how I'm feeling, who, you know, what my partner does for work, all of these things, like, you know, so we had that conversation. And then I knew that like, once they send me the contract every year, they send me, I'm not 10, I wasn't tenure track. So every year they just renew my contract. So I knew that around May, June, they send me my contract. And when they send me my contract, I'll tell them that, you know, I'm leaving. I'll give my resignation letter. So they sent the contract in May and I didn't want to sign it because I was teaching a summer course until July. So I said, I'm not signing a new contract. If I'm teaching a summer course, I'll wait until I'm done the summer course. Then I'll give my resignation letter. So they sent me a contract in May. And in July, when I finished the HR manager followed up and said, hey, we need your contract, right? Mm. So I said, okay. She emailed me that and I said, I'm going to go to campus. 
take my office key and clear my office, right? And so what I did, Zach, was I went on a Thursday night when I knew that no one would be on campus because it was the summertime, right? Right. So I didn't want to be moving stuff. No one knows I'm leaving. So I think when you're getting ready to make your exit, do what you feel safest doing. If that means coming at an odd hour to clear your office, if you know you're leaving, do that, right? So I cleared my office and then I came back and I said, Friday morning, I'm going to go to campus, give my key and give my laptop. And after I come back home, then I'm going to submit my resignation letter. So I, the Friday morning, I gave my office key and the administrative assistant was like shocked, right? I didn't know her name, um, but I guess she knew me, of course, the only black woman in the department. So I said, I want to give my office key back. She's like, um, I was like, do you need my name? She's like, Janice, right? I was like, yeah. And she looked so shocked and confused. Well, she went and immediately emailed the head of HR, right? So before I even had a chance to um, give my laptop back, the head of HR had emailed me a very like condescending email. And she was like, um, she's like, "I, I heard you gave your key back. Is your intention to leave? Common courtesy would be to give a letter I'll, um, I'll reach. I'll reach. Laptop I will reach. I'll reach through this email. <laughs> y'all got me. What? Y'all. Y'all. Right? y'all common courtesy. Common courtesy. Like, am I a child? Am I a child that I don't know how? Like, corporate. You know, this isn't corporate, but I know how workplaces operate. Yeah. I'm not a child for you to tell me like how I need what to behave and what is. Right. I was like, you know, in my head, I was like, I had this letter written since February of 2022. So, oh, the letter is coming. Right. So I went, I returned my, I saw that email. I returned my laptop. I waited till I got home and I responded to her email. And I said, I already returned my laptop. Thank you for the email. Here is my resignation letter. And it was a, honestly, Zach, it was like a four page letter that (laughs) ended up being like five pages. I CC'd the head of HR, the president of the university, mm-hmm. the tech support department, so they knew I returned my laptop, and all my managers. Goodness and I just gracious. logged out, right? And I got notifications that employees from the university were like viewing my LinkedIn page. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of them were shocked, to be honest, because they're probably like, why would this black woman turn down $112,000? Like she's in a recession, how how silly is this? I'm sure that's what they were thinking, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, that was essentially what led up to. I think they were surprised. Um, I know that it was like it left them in a precarious position because I was the one teaching the DEI course in the HR department. Okay. But I was like, you know what? If your HR students and Zach, these are graduate students, right? These right. aren't even like undergrads. These are graduate students who will be working in HR. And they don't even have the ability to speak with their professor to tell their professor, hey, we don't feel like we're being stimulated in your course. We don't feel like we're learning. Like if this is how, these are how the future HR professionals will operate. They can't even resolve an issue amongst themselves. Like, so how do you think they're going to be operating as HR professionals in your company? That is actually very scary to me. So I was like, it's terrifying. I could not, I could not continue in that environment. So I, you know, I'm sad because I loved teaching. I get messages from some of my, what would have been students who say, I'm so sad that you're not teaching this DEI course because we heard about you and we would have loved to have you. And I'm just like, well, 
that's what happens. Like, you know, the students are ultimately the ones that are, end up suffering because of this toxic university environment. 100%. I mean, first of all, I mean, I want to pause and acknowledge like the strength it takes to exit, right? Because, you know, we black folks, historically, especially particularly black women um, are often in the most oppressed position, the most disadvantaged position. And like, yeah, you could say, well, you should just quit. But it's like, yeah, but what do I do? Because like, yes, I don't have, I'm not fully whole in this position, but to go from partial to zero is, is hard. It's like, like I can, I can, let me, let me hold on to this partial and I can fight for whole. And the fact that you said, no, I'm just going to, I reject the premise and I'm going to just exit this this situation i think is um incredible i think like what my question thank you zach you're welcome i think like i think also you know you and i we texted off mic right like you you had some fun in exiting right quitting is fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah a hundred because it's almost like when you quit on your own terms Nothing is more liberating, right? I've seen few things are more liberating in the workplace than quitting on your own terms, right? Not being pushed out, not being quietly fired, which, you know, who knows, maybe I was being quietly fired, Mm -hmm. but quitting on your own terms is such a liberating thing. And I do have to acknowledge that it is a privilege that Mm -hmm. I'm able, that I was in a financial position where I was generating income from the university, even though I was being underpaid, I was able to save up like six months worth of expenses, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I was able, I was in a good financial position because I also had a business, right? Where I was actually making more money in my business than I was as a professor, right? So I was able to save up a considerable amount of money um, before I left. But I know that many people listening may not be there yet or may not be in a position where they can leave. But I think that few things are more liberating than being able to leave a toxic environment on your own terms. 100%. I mean, I can think about times like the last place, the, the last consulting firm I quit and I left on my own terms, Dr. Gasson. Man. <laughs> did you, um, did you give a resignation letter? Or you did were just I? like, yo, I'm out. Did I? <laughs> I wrote an email. I wrote an email to the CEO. Um, wow. Yeah. Shout out Tim Ryan. Um, and wow. <laughs> I love that we drop in names and we're, we're just like, not like tiptoeing around. We're just like, we're just, have, know, let's just have the conversation. Things for what they call are. it for what it is. Look, I dropped the email to Tim Ryan and then, um, and then dropped a long and then dropped a resignation, um, like a fair quote unquote farewell email to, um, to like all of my pretty much like all the leadership more and they weren't all my managers because consulting is different, but basically all the leaders in my direct environment, so to speak, you know what I mean? So like it was, it was really satisfying because it was my last day. Like I exited. it. Um, I didn't, I didn't give my personal email. I didn't say, Hey, we'll talk later. None of that. I just left. And then like, you know, for all the people that I was, cool with like they already knew i was leaving right so it wasn't you know we didn't have to do any of that you know uh, song and dance of like hey just letting you know like it wasn't nothing like that um you know we it it was just it was uh and it was it felt so nice because it was it was closing the chat closing a chapter on a really toxic and harmful space and like 
every, I'm gonna tell you something, Dr. Gassum is like as self absorbed as this is gonna sound. I'm gonna tell you every now and then, like once a what, like maybe like since I left, that was like what two years ago almost. I'll I'll open that email up and I'll read that resignation letter. I do. Right. And it, it's so like <laughs> one of these days, I think we, I, I would love to post I, that resignation I swear, letter somewhere I swear. and read it. Yes. I'm surprised you because, don't post it on Forbes. Right. Well, so with Forbes, I can't really speak a lot about my personal experiences. I have to kind of talk in third person. Okay. Um, And so like, I can't, there's so many things I would want to like post and share and just, <laughs> but I can't really speak from my own perspective. But, you know, it's, I also didn't want to feel like a, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm a hypocrite. I, I, I miss teaching, right? I miss the students. I don't miss academia. And I would, I think that the happy medium for me is adjuncting, right? Like the university asked me, there's a different department that I was teaching in as well, right? The okay. department where I got my, um, got my, a degree from is an industrial organizational psychology. Yeah. I was teaching in that department and they asked me to adjunct, right? Because yeah. I was teaching full time in the business school and I miss teaching, right? I miss teaching. I think the happy medium is adjuncting, but adjuncting isn't like actually changing the environment, right? I'm just kind of saying I don't want to be exhausted and w- worn down by that environment but it is it makes me feel so good to like read that and be like oh i went in <laughs> in that yes. letter Zach. Yes. i was like i had to take some things out because i was like this is not relevant but you know when you're in like a disagreement with someone and you're just like remembering things and, and you're like and another seats. thing yes <laughs> yeah it's like and another thing right like there was a there was a um someone in that university who actually a white male who used the n-word and I had that in my letter initially. It had nothing to do with my desire to leave. It was just kind of like, why is he using this, right? Because he mm-hmm. was saying he's from Quebec. Mm-hmm. And he was saying um, people from Quebec in Canada were treated like black people in America are. And so he, he used the N-word when he was telling me a story. And I just was like, this is so odd. Why are you Why, why would are you, you say that to conversation? me? Yeah. Right. And so I just was like... You know, and I put that in my letter initially, and then I reread it. I, I sent it to a friend, and he's like, Janice, that letter was intense. And I reread it, and I took that out because I was like, that's neither here nor there. But I just wanted to be like, yo, and you got white professors out here saying the N-word. But I was like, let me take that out. But I think it's it's a really, like, liberating thing. Writing that letter, probably for you as well, was very cathartic. It just was like a happy sort of thing, like releasing all of that in the letter. The sad part, Zach, is that a lot of these companies don't, there's so much important information in resignation letters. A lot of companies don't even like HR departments aren't reviewing letters to see are all of the employees who are leaving saying the same things, right? Letters are just sort of kept in HR somewhere in a file cabinet or online somewhere, but they're not actually doing a lot of things with these letters, but there's so much valuable information that I think companies should be utilizing. They should be examining these letters with a fine tooth comb and seeing if there there's patterns in people's resignation letters. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, like that would take, but see, that would take some level of intention and analysis and critical thinking that I don't know if they're really trying to do. Like so much of that presumes that they actually <laughs> care about black and brown people or just the experience of any employees at all. Um, let me ask you this. Like, you know, first of all, I do want to talk a little bit about your podcast. Um, how has it been going? Pink Elephant. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, well, the podcast is Dirty Diversity, and that has been going really well. Um, so I actually, I feel like I, <laughs> I like, I'm on season three, uh, wrapping up season three right now, but I just feel like it feels really good to be able to have these conversations on my own terms. I feel like you may feel like that with this podcast, yeah. where it feels really it just feels really nice. I love having audio conversations with people and just sharing my thoughts. And so I, I really am happy to have um, that sort of that sort of outlet. Um, I, my podcast is a little different because I think most of my episodes are just me sharing my musings and my thoughts because I feel like your podcast does such an amazing, this podcast does such an amazing job of highlighting voices, right? of people doing this work, of change makers, of corporate leaders, of so many folks. And I think that I really wanted the podcast to be um, my, me and my thoughts and my experiences because to to the point you made earlier, I'm not able to share a lot of my experiences. Like in my writing, I don't talk about me or my experiences. Mm. And so the podcast serves as a really nice outlet for me to just kind of say, this thing happened while I was consulting, right? And I don't, of course, give the names of, of companies or right, clients, right. but I think it feels really good to have that that outlet. You know, I love Dirty Diversity and I was getting and I was thinking about the Pink Elephant newsletter. Uh, but I Oh yes. But I think about like your environment and how they all come together because like one, I think any space and I say this, you know, first of all, for those who don't know, like you were one of the first people to actually feature Living Corporate on any major publication. Um, and so, like... Oh, yay! Yeah, yeah. Like, that was... And that was back in, what, 2019, I think? Um, I just really... Yes. Oh, I forgot. Yes. So, I, I think it was a list of the best podcast... Or the best black podcasts um, to listen to. Yes, right. And then we did another feature for the show with the mental... With the black mental health... You featured us professionals. twice. I've... Yeah, I forgot about that first feature, actually. <laughs> yes, the 13 best podcasts to listen to during Black History Month and Independent Parentheses or any month. Um, and, like, mm -hmm. I just really appreciate you, like, giving us space. But what I also realized is, like, after we had connected, but then also before that, like, I was engaging your content. And, like, really, Dr. Gassim, any space where you're able to speak, frankly, that's content that we need. So, like, I just want you to know that, like, you're needed, you're heard, you're appreciated. I'm excited about the work that you've done both in the ivory and outside. I'm excited to like continue to hear and experience your voice as you continue to step away from white centric spaces or spaces that make you feel unsafe, um, spaces where you can be as candid as you'd like. That's what we really need. Um, especially as we look at like just the future of work and we have like these newer young, young, young professionals coming into the space, they're not really going to be interested in the, 
the the um the veneer of of gentility and like just all of like the all of the niceties and stuff they're they're looking for direct candid leadership they're looking for authentic spaces and for those reasons i'm com- i'm confident that your podcast and wherever it goes as well as your newsletter and wherever it goes is going to be critical for us in this next phase of work so i just again it's me giving you your flowers i really appreciate all of your work thank you so much zach i i really appreciate that and i'm so glad that um, to be, I'm grateful to be in a position to amplify our voices because I think that that's one of the things I love about this podcast is it's amplifying us and our voices. And I think that there aren't a lot of places where you see that, right? Yeah. And so I think that I I just love what this podcast and what this platform rather, not really just your podcast, mm-hmm. what it's blossomed into. Because even like three years ago, I I think about three years ago, living corporate and now, and it's like blossomed into something really beautiful that was so needed before George Floyd and it's still needed much more now in 2022 and moving on. So I I can really appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, Dr. Gasson, we're going to make sure to put your links in the show notes. We'll make sure that everyone checks out Dairy Diversity Podcast. Either they subscribe to the Pink Elephant newsletter. Is there anywhere else folks need to be looking for you and finding you? Um, no. I so I I live on LinkedIn because Instagram be acting shady. <laughs> when you talk about, you know, I used to talk a lot in my content about white supremacy and anti-blackness. And I think some of my content I feel like the algorithm is not a fan of on Instagram. So it's kind of discouraged me a little bit, but I'm on LinkedIn a lot more. So if you're on LinkedIn or Instagram, um, Feel free to connect. I love meeting new people. And um, you can search the Dirty Diversity Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll find it and it'll pop up. I love it. Dr. Gassum, again, thank you so much. Thank you for all that you've done, like selfishly, just for living corporate and for me. Thank you for the work that you do to center and amplify our voices, our experiences. Thank you for your courage. We consider you a friend of the show. You're welcome back anytime. You know, like, don't be a stranger. And if you ever, like, have some some smoke you want to let off, you want to, like, blast somebody or start some beef, yo, you come over here, <laughs> I will play the background music. I, I'm here. I love it. You'll play the ether beat. I will. <laughs> You'll play. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to keep that in mind, though. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks so much, Zach. Peace. And we're back. Listen, you don't want to go nowhere. The content we got lined up for y'all in 2023 is so exciting, right? Like I'm just, I'm over here looking at our schedule between now and the end of February. Oh my goodness. You've already seen a couple of, if you follow me on Twitter, you follow Living Corporate on Twitter. Again, links in the show notes. You'll see, like I've, I'll, every now and then I'll slip up and I'll like, at somebody because I'm, I'm, I need they need to be surprised but I'd be getting too excited so I'd be shouting people out so you'll see but you know if you don't it's all the better it's a good surprise for you um, make sure that you follow us everywhere you know what I'm saying Google us Google Living Corporate and just follow whatever pops up you know what I'm saying check out the website if you haven't already soon 
we're going to be relaunching with some new dope features to make it even more accessible, more dynamic, more personal for you. We're going to make the job board. But I mean, like, I, oh my gosh, I'm getting ahead of myself. The point is, make sure you continue to follow Living Corporate. Tell your friends about it. If you are a historically marginalized person, again, black or brown person, queer, differently able, visible or invisible, first generation, or if you're an aspirational ally, meaning you're a white person or a white passing person um, or per, a person who, who again, like lives as a white person and you're seeking to um, understand how to better show up as an ally, you're a man, you're someone in some type of majority group. Guess what? We all exist in some type of privileged space. And if you're looking to be a better ally in this, in these spaces to create more equitable places to work, Living Corporate is a resource for you. And if you know people who need this type of education, again, this passive education, like through just having real authentic conversations, yo, share this with somebody, share this with your network, share this with your friends, your neighbor, your, your coworker, your supervisor, your direct report, share this with your, your, your skip level, shoot, share it with your boss's boss. You know what I'm saying? Um, in the meantime, Make sure you cop some merch. You know what I mean? We got hoodies on deck. All right. Livingcorporate.shop. You know what I mean? And, um, yo, just, just, just rock with us. And again, I can't be, I can't, I don't know even, I don't even know if I could be more grateful. Um, I'm confident I could be, but just know I am very thankful. And I, and I, and I share this and I, I, I do speak on behalf of the network to say thank you. Um, until next time, y'all love, peace and growth in 2023. Catch y'all soon. Peace. elevation post-production is handled by jeremy jackson got a topic suggestion email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com you can find us online on twitter facebook instagram and living-corporate.com thanks for listening stay tuned